Hello and welcome to Navigating Life with Coach Lowe. I have an amazing guest. All my guests are amazing, just so that you guys are really, really clear. <laughs> but this is a much even, she is just really, really special to me, to my heart. She is, has been a little sister to me. And I have just watched her blossom into a next level amazing woman, into a next level amazing mom and wife. And so I want to welcome our special guest today. Heather Avant is with us. And Heather, please introduce yourself to our Navigating Life audience. Well, thank you, Lo, for having me on the show today. I um, find it such an honor that you even asked. My story, I feel like, is unique, but I feel like everyone has a unique story. So I'm just so blessed that you chose and chose to ask me. So a little bit about myself. I hail from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Go Blue. Uh, and I live here in Dallas, Texas with my husband, Jason. And my my sweet little three-year-old jet and he is lives by his name he runs around like a jet plane all the time i'm not quite sure if i misnamed him and put that on me but you know we're gonna go with it <laughs> um i am a photographer i am a uh, a sickle cell uh, activist or patient advocate and um, i have my own company and i take newborn portraiture uh, it's called artfully avance and right now I am moonlighting through COVID, uh, doing some architectural work for uh, a, a big construction firm. So that's a lot of fun. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So you are wearing many hats in this season is what that, what that looks like. Is it the big picture is you, it, in spite of um, all that's going on around us, it seems like you're figuring out how to navigate things. And so that's really, really good to hear. I'm glad to hear that you are back to work and, you know, making, making some moves because for a minute it was a little rough. And with that being said, I don't want to give away too much too soon. So let's dig in. So uh, Heather shared that she right. is a, a sickle cell uh, patient advocate and she is also a sickle cell survivor. And so Heather, I, um, I would love for you to share with our audience how you personally define sickle cell. I find it easier for an audience of people that might not know quite what sickle cell is or how it affects a person. I find it easier for someone who has survived through something to convey its definition in layman's term so that the average person listening can have a greater understanding and comprehension of what's going on. So please help us understand what exactly okay. is sickle cell. Well, sickle cell is a rare disease, actually. It is a round blood cell disorder. It affects the round cells in the human body. So basically what it means is I have a lack of hemoglobin, which gives oxygen to our round blood cells. And so what that does is it causes my cells to be sickled in shape. And those sickled cells are, are stiff and they're hard and they stick together and they cause um, basically like almost like miniature clots in your veins. And that can lead to all types of damage because wherever your blood flows to your body, which is basically everywhere, you can have 
damage from those little clots forming all over. Uh, and the biggest uh, side effect of sickle cell that most sickle cell people who live with live in pain. And um, it has affected me my entire life. Uh, when I hit around 20 years of age, I became um, allergic to pain medication from taking it, I feel like taking it too much throughout my childhood. Um, so I am not even able to take any pain medication. So day to day, I get up, I'm in pain, I have to kind of just pray the pain away. I know that sounds crazy. My friends are like, yeah, you're nuts. But in reality, it's, it's a lot of just, you know, mind over matter and living each day to the fullest, even though I deal with pain every day and having to work through that pain. Um, some days it's worse than others. Today's a rainy day. So unfortunately, I'm experiencing a little some pains than I usually would. Um, and then some days, you know, I just have to say, I have a three-year-old. So life is kind of more like get up and get moving. You know, it's a kick in the butt. Uh, but I wouldn't take that pain away now of what I know of it. I would, I would love, I would never put it on my worst enemy, but I wouldn't take it away because it has taught me so much through life, right? It's made me who I am. Uh, sickle cell is not, I don't feel like it defines me, uh, but it, it has added to me yes. and given me insight into life and insight into other people and helped me become passionate about seeing people live well, thrive well, um, and, you know, just do above and beyond what the limitations of their body has set for them. I love it. I love it. That was really, really good. And I, it's funny because I never quite heard it expressed that way. You gave me the best definition, but I think that you did it even uh, better today. And so I just want to say thank you for that. So help us to understand. So Heather, at what age were you diagnosed as with sickle cell? Did, did your parents always know that you had sickle cell? Was that something, is sickle cell hereditary? Help us to understand how that works. So sickle cell is a hereditary disease. You can't catch it like you can catch a cold. Okay. So your parents have to have genes. So it's a recessive gene. Um, and sickle cell trait is the receptive gene. So for the most part, most people, most African-Americans, a lot of African-Americans, one in four African-Americans actually probably has the trait. We're so few tested that we don't really know those numbers precisely, but sickle cell trait is widely popular among African-American people and people of Middle Eastern descent, as well as some of our Hispanic people, so our Latinx people. Okay. Um, it's very common. So it's a recessive gene. So I found out I had sickle cell when my mom, and I was still my mom's time. I wasn't even out. I was like, hello, this is what I have. But the reason for that was because my brother has sickle cell. So okay. he was diagnosed during a newborn screening when they first started back in the very early 80s. Um, he was diagnosed with a newborn screening. So they checked me like in utero. They did a, uh, you know, in vitro exam and I was positive as well. So they kind of knew going into having me that I was going to have sickle cell and they had, they had two babies with sickle cell and not just one. Um, unfortunately, my parents didn't, my mom knew she had the trait, my dad did not. So it was a surprise because he had been tested. Unfortunately, he tested and it was and the test that he had received at that time came back negative. Unfortunately, what we know now is sickle cell has so many different types. It's not just one type. There's all different types. It goes from sickle cell SS to SC to SODEF, 
GH and sickle beta cell and all types of different sickle cells. So okay. we didn't realize that he probably had one that didn't get tested for it. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So, so when your brother, so which one of your parents has sickle cell? They both have the trait that neither one of them have disease. It's a recessive trait. So it's kind of like your eye color. Uh, you have two parents who have brown eyes. You're probably going to have brown out. If you don't have brown eyes, there's probably an issue. So if you have, you know, a parent with brown eyes and one blue, it's a recessive trait. So you're going to get it from one parent. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's so they that's, both have the trait. They both have the recessive trait. Okay. And so and so what? So um, you are a mother. And so how does that affect your son's dad? That's a good question. Most people don't even kind of ask that. I think they kind of skip over that. So Jet has sickle cell trait. He has sickle cell AS, which is a recessive gene. My husband has an A and an A, which he has no sickle cell. He has not, he doesn't have a trait. He doesn't have a recessive gene for it at all. I have an S and an S because I have full blown sickle cell and my son has an A and an S. So he has sickle cell trait. So when he goes out into married life and furthering his, you know, livelihood as he grows into a man, he's going to have to think about that. Um, you know, it's going to be something that he's going to have to really kind of think about and pay attention to as he gets older and goes into dating relationships. And it'll be something that, of course, I'm sure living in this house, he's going to be well aware of what's going on. <laughs> I can't imagine him being like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm pretty sure he's going to be well aware. Right. <laughs> About to beat it into him. Right. Okay. So I, I really wanted to talk about this because I've already, we've already gotten through it. Jet is three years old now, but I never quite understood the dynamic of having children and sickle cell. What is the I, I don't understand what is the what is the issue there there is an issue there isn't that well there, there isn't an issue and there is an issue okay so each person with sickle cell is going to experience it differently um how i experienced having bringing jet into this world jet was like um you know he was like modern day torture coming into this world i love my little boy but he worked me so hard he took everything I had plus some and then and then snatched some from the dog you know he wasn't kidding he was like I'm, I'm coming full force and I love that about him because he's still that way today but he took all of me <laughs> he left me with nothing and I and I think that that was because in my life I've just had I've just really struggled with sickle cell and later in life and because I'm an older mommy I had jet when I was 36 and and, you know, and that's hard on 36 year old body. You know, they, they call you a geriatric pregnancy already. And then you have a baby and you have a pre-existing medical condition. You add all that in. And, and I had a lot of, a lot of issues. Jet, Jet liked to work me through my pregnancy, but he got here successfully and came out hollering. So, you know, I did something right, but he took all of me. So I won't be having another one. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> a special sugar, as as Lil says. <laughs> yes, yes, and and it did. It, it took <laughs> and it and it still does because Jet is a very healthy young man, and he is a chunky man. He's a big boy. No, I was agreeing with you. He's a big boy. <laughs> yes, he is, and but he is just so amazing. He is so smart. And I think that you guys, both you and Jason, have done a, just a fantastic job as his parents. Um, I want to oh, thank you. I, I've learned, I've learned so, I've learned so much, but still know 
so little. I think that there's still so much to learn about sickle cell and, and how it affects people. But we, um, we have had conversations around the, the, um, your journey in sickle cell and you have had near deaths, I want to say twice or three times. Can you tell us about those uh, experiences? Three, three, a few over three times, but three times recently. Yeah, those were traumatic. I've had some very traumatic experiences with my sickle cell, uh, mostly as an adult. My childhood, tra tra childhood trauma is so different. You, when you're a little kid, you don't think of death the same way I think you think of it as an adult. So even though I may have had life or death experiences as a child, my experiences were so different, right? My experiences were like, you know, I go to sleep, I talk to Jesus, I wake up. My mom's like, you did what? I'm like, you know, you talk to me. I sat on Jesus's lap. We had a conversation. It wasn't my time. I'm coming back. And, you know, my mom kind of, I'm sure, freaked out a little bit. But moving forward as an adult, you realize when you're on the edge of death, you know, you realize when, when uh, this could be over. And, you know, I have talked to so many patients about the, the idea of dying. And for most of us, you know, when it's not that I'm afraid of death. Um, I think it was more of the fact that I remember the first time I almost died. I was in the hospital and I uh, I was talking and a doctor didn't believe I was sick. He kept telling me I wasn't sick and he kept telling me that I was having a panic attack and I couldn't breathe. And um, I was really, really, really struggling. And I remember uh, telling him I couldn't breathe, I couldn't breathe, I couldn't breathe. And I remember thinking and I remember being so sad that I was going to die, but it wasn't because I was sad for myself. I was sad for my mom. I was sad for my dad and I was sad for my brother. And I was sad for the people who loved me most because I knew that it would affect them the most. But I wasn't sad for myself. My heart didn't ache for me because I knew that I I knew I was saved. I knew where I was going. I was going to be with my maker. We have had many a conversations. So for me, it wasn't it wasn't a very sadness. It wasn't a, a heart to heart sadness about being sad for myself. I was sad for them. And I, I could see and feel their sadness. And oh. That was like, whoa, I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for y'all to have to go through this as my parents, because you know, you're not supposed to bury your children. Right. And so I felt that for them. I felt that very real. And moving forward, I felt that time and time again, even when I got sick and I was here in Texas and I got sick again. Um, I had that same feeling of not being ready, but this time it was for my husband. Mm. You know, we were newlyweds and I'm I had three pulmonary embolisms and he's like you know he's like he's so calm he's a smooth calm duck but reality is I'm sure he was flipping out inside you know I'm sure he was like you know going a little crazy and I felt for him I felt for my sadness was for him and if I were to leave this earth and since I've had my son I haven't had any close calls and I don't know if that's mama strength coming through and realizing I have something bigger than myself to manage and take care of or what but I have been healthy since he's been born. I have been um, living my best life. I'm tired. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I stay tired. I think, I think that that's about the next 10 years or so. I'm probably tired. Um, but, uh, you know, when I had my son, God just shown a new anointing on my life. And he was like, okay, so you're going to be tired, but we're going to get you through steps A through B through C through D. You may hard times and some pitfalls, but we're going to, bring you out of each step. You just got to call on me. I'm going to remind you to call on me because you're going to be too busy trying to do everything and be everything to everyone. 
Okay. Ooh. Um, so I, I like the fact that you considered your family and that you understood that this life, this where we are in earth is not your home. And so that is just, that's, that's interesting to me. But even today, we are in the middle of a, a global pandemic. And you have your son, your husband, your parents, and your sibling to be concerned about, as well as the rest of us that love Heather Avant. Um, and so when I think about having a pre-existing condition in the midst of a global pandemic, um, what has been some of the greatest challenges you faced in this season? This, that, that's a really good question. It's very poignant because in this season has been really hard for me. I have felt like because of everyone else's misgivings, I've had to suffer because I have had to be on lockdown. Because I know what it's like to be in intensive care, you know, with a breathing machine shoved down your throat or with them threatening a breathing machine shoved down your throat. I know what it's like to be in intensive care and wake up with tubes coming out of your neck and out of your shoulder and out of your chest and not knowing what the heck is going on. I have been in this one too many times and I have no desire to go back to that. And let me tell you, people, what people don't seem to understand, I've had this conversation with a lot of people who are really close to me, is they don't understand the amount of fight it takes to come out of that, to have a will to live. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, sadly, people are like, oh, you know, if you got it, you, you've done it before, you can do it again. I'm like, see here, now here's the difference. Before, I didn't have a child. I didn't have a husband or I did I mean he, he was young and we're young and he can get remarried and all this we didn't have kids we didn't have all this stuff so to do it now to do it today and have to go through that today the idea of that is so scary because it's it's like I don't know if I have the fight in me to, to do that again because it takes some type of ungodly willpower God has to come through you in order for you to come out of that there has to be an anointing and a calling on your life. And if you don't have it on your life at that time, God can be like, okay, come home. You've been good. And right now it's like, I got a baby to think about. Yeah. So I have felt during COVID, I felt very trapped because I know that for me going out and being around people means putting myself where I can, I can contract it. And I don't know for me if I have the fight to go through that again, because I've been through it three times. I've had, you know, and when I was pregnant with my son, I coughed through the entire pregnancy. I had this thing called a pregnancy cough. They didn't even know what it was. And it was really because my so poor and damaged over the years, my little big old baby was taking up so much room. I couldn't take a deep breath. And so my lungs coughed. So I, you know, I feel almost like trapped. And I'm and I and, and in the beginning, especially, I mean, even now, I feel angry towards everyone else who's going outside and doing stupid things and um <laughs> like, you know, just Flowing around, no big deal, going here, doing this, doing this, no masks on, not social distancing, doing all the precautions. And I'm like, you suck because you're making my life difficult. I have to stay inside every day with my three-year-old. Thank you very much. It's like house arrest with a toddler. I mean, no one wishes that. I don't care who you are. unless, And if you do, call me and I'll send you mine, you know? <laughs> you can have them for about a week. You'll, you'll regret that decision. 
because he's got a ton of energy and to keep a three-year-old under lock and key because he can't risk your health and you can't, you can't risk getting sick. So yeah, I have, I'm very angry about COVID in some ways and in some ways this helped me learn to pivot and to call on God a lot more and to be patient. I've never been good at that. So <laughs> God is definitely calling me in, in, the, in this season to be patient. I get it. I get it. It is so when I'm listening to you and I I have a personal insight to it all. I I applaud you for the decisions that you're making because they are not easy. I applaud your family, um, in particular your husband, because he you guys always seem to find a way to be a support to one another. I, I cannot imagine what it can be like sometime with, um, with a spouse that has a pre-existing condition because then it puts limits on certain things that you can and cannot do. And like you're talking about in this season, it is just in your best interest to be as uh, little to no exposure to other human beings um, unless they are doing all of the necessary protocol to keep safe. And so when I'm listening to the challenges mm -hmm. that you're facing, and I'm thinking about who you are as an encouragement to the sickle cell community, you're an a patient advocate to a number of different uh, sickle cell survivors. And how do you... How do you navigate that? So when you talk to other people who live with the same disorder as you, what does that conversation sound like? It sounds like it could get a little crazy sometimes because, you know, people are having real issues. Some people are like, forget it. I'm, I'm going to live to live and not live to die. So I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to do what I do. Not necessarily considering all things. And so what does that conversation look like when you're saying, okay, well, here are the safeguards that need to be put in place. And people like, ah, we all over the place. I get a lot of pushback. Not, I mean, not so much from the community. Most of the community, especially like my friends, because most of us are pretty educated, right? So most of us are like, yeah, we get you. You got cooties. Everybody got cooties. Just got to think of the whole world having cooties right now, you know? Right. So we, we understand that. Most, most of us. But there are always those outliers, you know, who are like, hey, come and do this with me. We're have girl, I'm having a birthday party. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and they're like, well, will you come? And I'm like, absolutely not. We're in the middle of the pandemic. And they're like, but I've been safe. We don't have COVID. And I'm like, okay. You know, like, because you know who you've been around yesterday and today and the day before and the day before that. I can't take that risk. And I constantly have to tell people, you know, like, it's this is a short time, right? A year is, it seems like it's a forever, but it's not. And how would it feel next year? You're asking me to come to your birthday party and know that I came last year and got sick and died. And now I can't even come to this year. Is it worth it? And, right. and, and having to talk about the grand scheme of things. So we're constantly always having that like internal discussion with each other. Like, is it worth it, girl? No, girl, it ain't worth it. Mm -mm, don't do that. Don't kill yourself. Don't go out, you know? And, you know, and now we're wrapping up, wrapping, running, running into flu season. Like, what is this? We're, we call it co-flu. You don't want the co-flu. 
you know, you get, get both of them, be real sick, you know, and then they don't know which one you got. And then you, you fall. So, you know, there's this, there's this huge divide of people who are kind of like, well, just, it's okay. Just come over for a little while. Or, well, you know, quarantine's only 10 days. Uh, quarantine is 15 days. The CDC says it's 15 days. You want me to pull it up on the website, you know, and you have to kind of like throw it at people. And I had a friend recently, I believe Lolita may have told me to stop telling people to stop asking me to go out because I'm like, you know, I don't even want to go out. Don't ask me. Ask me next year in July. And then I may say yes or no, depending on where we are. And I get the idea of wanting people to continue to ask because it does feel, it makes you feel loved and included and that they still care. Um, but for me, I feel sometimes stressed out by it because I'm like, I have to say no all the time and I'm going to be that person who says no for next year. And then I have to convince people, you know, especially when they come back and they say, well, I don't have it. Or, you know, like I, Jet and I, you know, I'm taking him to this outdoor zoo that's far away because apparently it's a small zoo and you stay in your car. And I have friends who are like, well, we'll come with you. And I was like, or not. No, you want to stay. In your, you can go, you can come. You stay in your car. I'll stay in my car. I can't social distance my three-year-old. So, you know, it's a lot of just, we're frustrated. And I think the community as a whole is frustrated. And we're all like angry and tired and sick of it. But then there's some of us who just don't care. And they're like throwing caution to the wind. But not all of the sickle cell community, at least all of my friends, not all of them spent any time in ICU. So they don't know what it's like to have to fight that battle. You know, you do it once, you're kind of like, oh, I'm good. I don't do that no more. So it's, it's really where, what you've experienced. And first, there are a lot of sickle cell patients out there who are living their best lives. I, they, they invite me to brunch. And I'm just like, yeah, I love you. But no, I will not. You will not see me until next year. I promise. And it's funny because even one girlfriend invited me to something. They did a yoga retreat. And she's like, I'm sending this to everybody. Heather, I know you're not coming. And I had to laugh because it took the pressure off of me even having to say no. <laughs> right. So, so it's just, you know, the community itself, we're all struggling. We're all exhausted. We're all tired of it. But we see, we see the, the idiocracy that's going around of people just not taking their health seriously. Yeah, so so I like a year I, isn't very long to be inconvenient. Isn't very long to be inconvenienced. Okay, so in terms I, of your life. So and, and and I hear that. Um and and I think that when you think about who we are as Americans, right? Everything is about our freedom and all of this stuff. Well, you know, I shouldn't have to do this and why should I have to do that and it's like, okay, so if you're only thinking of yourself, then maybe you're right. But when you start thinking outside of you, your four, and the, and you know, everybody else, you know, then it's like, oh, okay, I didn't think about it quite like this. And so when you're thinking about, okay, yes, I could get COVID and I could heal, I could get COVID and I could it could be to my demise. You know, I could die from this, you know. And so while a lot of the deaths are coupled with pre-existing conditions, I don't know that that's always the case because we know of some cases where people were very healthy, they exercised, they ate well, they were young and they died, you know. And so, um, 
So I just think that we really don't know enough about this COVID-19 coronavirus that we are dealing with in this season. But I, my, my heart goes out to the community of people like yourself who does have pre-existing conditions already that could cost you. So with COVID-19 coupled with where you are with the pre-existing conditions, it's like you have to make some different kinds of decisions. And so I just want to say thank you for championing so many um, in the way that you do to be that example, because what people can't say is that you didn't do what you talked about. You do what you talk about. And I, I just, right. yeah, I'm grateful for that. And so I'm going to ask you to just kind of look into the camera and just speak to the person who could be living with any kind of um, pre-existing condition and they are feeling the anxiety, they are feeling the loneliness, they are feeling the pains of, of this current circumstance, right? Some people have lost their jobs. Some people have lost their homes. People are losing so much, but people are also losing their minds under the guise of all that is going on, the, the pandemic, <laughs> the racial um, unrest in the world. There, there are just a, a number of different things that are happening simultaneously with this global pandemic. And so, um, if you could just um, encourage the listener today who's saying, you know what, I can relate, but I'm sick of it, and I don't even know what else to do. What would you say to that person? Well, I would say don't give in to today, right? This is what we're in, and COVID is a season, This is, a, and it's a long season, Sometimes marriage is a long season if you're married. Sometimes singleness is a long season if you're single. It's just a season. And so you have to give into, I had a friend tell me today, give into your joy today because I'm, I'm exhausted. I woke up. It's rainy. I'm miserable. So give into your joy today. Find that music. Turn on some crazy lights. Uh, get a flashlight and dance. And, you know, me and my toddler did that for about a half an hour. And it did make me feel a lot better because, the gloomies get you, right? The, the, the feeling of this is never going to end. Yeah. But I remind myself every day that the last 2020 has flown by. In the middle of being in a COVID, in the middle of being at home, in the middle of staying indoors and not seeing anyone and being lonely, 2020 has absolutely flown by. I have driven my husband, I'm sure, crazy because I'm like, do something with me. Play with me. Let's do something because I'm bored out of my love loving mind, but then I've learned to pivot, find new interests. I have taken probably 20 classes. I've read seven books and I have a three-year-old, you know, like I'm not doing too shabby to be having a three-year-old, you know, I keep it moving. And I try to find things that are interesting me. So we go to the, I go to the Arboretum in the mornings. They open here in Dallas at 7 a.m. for members. We bought a membership so that I could go to the Arboretum in the mornings to get out of the house and get by myself. And there's nothing there but a you know, a rather elderly group of people. And I love it. And we all go, we say good morning, everybody, everybody go their own way. And we all walk for an hour. And I have found ways to pivot. So find your, you have to find your joy in every day, right? You can't live in the, 
I may die, I may get sick. Because God, God has a plan for all of us. So we're going to die when we're going to die. We're going to leave this world when we're, when we're supposed to. But you can live in your joy and find your joy every day. It doesn't have to be a long amount of joy. Some days I have half an hour of joy and then I have, you know, 24 hours of wanting to choke my toddler. But you know what? I know that that 24, that that 10 minutes of joy may happen and I'm going to dance when it does. So I believe in finding the happiness day to day and in that moment, really rejoicing in it. And, you know, I'm a photographer, so I'm, my first thing is to look in my camera and I look and I grab my camera and I take pictures of my family or my dog and I'm like oh they're so cute even if he's being a tyrant over there he looks really cute in my camera right now and I'm gonna love this moment so I you know find your joy I feel like we need to pour into ourselves in this season more than ever if that means buying a journal and journaling I mean Amazon has been my best friend I order my groceries from them I order anything I want because I don't leave the house much, you know, so it's nice to, to order something, you know, I have a, I save my little allowance I get and I go and I'm buying myself some journal. I've been buying myself cute clothes because I'm not going to wear them nowhere, but I'm buying them because it's like, you know, like I got to buy myself an outfit here and there. So I pour into me because I realized like in the beginning of this, I was pouring into everyone. My husband, I was making sure my parents were okay. I was making sure my brother was okay. I was making sure my, my child was okay. But I hadn't really, I wasn't pouring into my own self. And by saying, and not being guilty about spending time with myself, it has changed my complete outlook on COVID. It's like, you know, mommy's going to go to the bathroom and I got a new lock on the door so you can't come in. <laughs> I'm taking 20 minutes. Goodbye close the door. You know, I see little fingers come under the door, but you know, it's, hey, my husband's like, hey, what are, what are we having for dinner? I don't know. I mean, you're going to have to learn to cook, brother. And you know, it works. And I find that taking a little bit of control of yourself, taking control of your environment, and then pouring it into God. I have, for me, I have gospel music going all day long in my house. It's on low usually, but I find that it keeps the spirit of the house light and it brings the Holy Spirit in. And it keeps the Holy Spirit in my home. And I believe that that also, having that surrounding me, uh, helps me to feel, be filled up. Even on days when I can't get out of the bed and I'm exhausted. The first thing I do is I'm like, I got to go turn on some music. Because that will enlighten the spirit, enliven you, and make you feel like, okay, God is with me in this. You're not alone. None of us are alone. People with crazy medical conditions who cannot leave the house, people who are like myself and who cannot leave the house and who are afraid to touch anybody or anything. And, you know, I mean, I went to vote and my husband was like, you good? I had like two masks on and I had my PP, my professional, you know, my P52 mask or P25 mask. And my husband was like, you good, babe? I'm like, I'm good. We went at 12 o'clock and I was like, we're going to go vote. And there was no one there. Cause look at grace. When you ask for it, it's delivered, right? God delivers when you need it. So I walked in. And, and there was not a single soul in that place. It was just me and my husband. And I was like, yes, I mean, thank you, Jesus. And we got in and got out. I was like, oh, we went home. We had a vote date. And I, was, I, and I was happy because I got out of the house. I was like, I even got out of the house for 20 minutes. Like, look at God. So you just have to pour into you right now. I think that that's the biggest thing that we can do for ourselves is to pour into us. Um, read your Bible, stay in your word. Uh, listen to your gospel music and um, cut out all the negativity. If it's Facebook, if it's Instagram, if it's people, there are a lot of people right now who are mad at me because I'm just like, I 
your soul and your energy and the spirit that lives within you is not meshing with the spirit that lives in me. So I love you right now, but I'm going to love you where you are and you can stay there and I'll stay here and we can stay here. And when COVID's over, we'll talk. But right now I need to do this for myself. Good job. Take care of you. Good job. That, that is so, so very important. <laughs> So thank you for giving, um, sharing those tips about what is possible, what you can do for yourself and focusing on the joy. So thank you so much for that. Finally, I just want you to uh, share with the audience, what are the things that your hands are in? What organizations are you connected to in this season in terms of mentorship and uh, advocacy? And, um, and also uh, how someone who may have some questions, someone who may feel like, you know what, I really liked her spirit. Um, I really liked the things that she was saying and I would love to contact her. Please share your contact information and, um, and just what you are doing in the sickle cell community today. Well, my hands are in lots of little buckets, so I'm going to try to get over this real fast. I'm a busybody, so I keep myself busy because idle hands are, you know, are, are not good for me. So right now, I am currently working on a project uh, for sickle cell patients called the Unbreakable Warrior Project. It is a photo project. I hope that this will be a massive photo project showing sickle cell patients in the best possible light because so oftentimes we're shown as being sickly or sick. And I am not sickly, nor am I sick. I get sick, I have moments, I have bad days, just like everyone. Um, so I wanna show us in our strong lights that we are lawyers, philosophers, chefs, you name it, nurses, you name it. So I wanna show that, and that project's gonna do that. It's a photo project. If you wanna check it out, you can check it out on my website at earlyavant.com. Uh, it's under uh, the title or the, the logo, Unbreakable Warrior. Um, I also sit on uh, the board of the NHLBI uh, Cure Sickle Cell Initiative. I sit on the community input panel. I am the chair of that. And we are hoping to usher in um, a new line of patients who are going to be um, breaking barriers in regards to potentially cures for sickle cell disease leading into the future. And, and my goal is to help patients have a voice within that realm. Uh, and then I also work with a couple of uh, organizations. I work with Carol's Promise here in Dallas, or they're, they're out of um, Fort Worth, and they're a sickle cell uh, organization, as well as I work with a company called SC3, which is Sickle Cell Community Consortium, and they are a CBO and an independent-based uh, based organization where you can go and get tons of information. They have classes. They offer all types of information for people who live with sickle cell, who are looking to grow um, in sickle cell or, or understanding or in their advocacy or who just want to help advocate for other people who have sickle cell. And um, right now I'm working on my photography and building my little newborn business. I'm looking for babies next year. Unfortunately, my studio is in my house, so you can't come in my house until this is over, but I am going to be looking for lots and lots of brand newborns. So if you're pregnant now, you know, you might be ready for me when, I, when, when the time comes. Uh, so you can hit me up all also at artfullyavant.com too. And you can look at any of my images and see my rates in regards to newborn photography. And you can check me out on Instagram at head underscore avant. Uh, 
or you can look me up at Artfully Avant on Instagram as well. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Heather. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for sharing your life with us here at Navigating Life with Coach Lowe. It has just been a tremendous time. I am so grateful for the light that you are to the sickle cell community. Thank you for being an encouragement to this audience today. You encouraged me so, because I just believe that we're all in this together at so, on some level, you know, because even if you don't have pre-existing conditions and you are doing the, taking the necessary um, protocol to keep yourself safe and the, the world around you as well, it, it can be just a bit testy right now. And so I just want to say you're doing a great job. You're doing it well. And I just thank you for continuing to be a light in this community. So love you, love you bunches. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I love you. And I will talk to you soon. All right. Take care, babe. Bye-bye.